You know, uh, um, those kind of things don't always happen every service. I mean, we might say, yeah, that's always that way for me. Well, I'm not going to say that. Not every time I've been in church has it been life-changing. You know, it's kind of like eating. Not every meal is life-changing. But, you know, one time I had a Belgian hot fudge sundae. It changed my life. It was that good. <laughs> but not every, and you know, not every church service. I mean, uh, it's edifying, supposed to be. Faith building, a lot of good things that happen. But not so much that we would define each encounter as a life-changing event, okay? But there have been some. Can anyone relate to that? Can you, can, can you think back in your life, whether it's recent or even some time back, but you were in a, in a service like this or you know, similar, but you, had, you received something from the Lord or God did something in your life and you still point to it. You might point to it your whole life. Say that was one of those moments, yeah. one of those defining moments in my life. I took a turn or something was added to me or I made a, a change or I made a decision, but something happened. And it was, it was critical to where you are today. Praise God. I think that's going to happen here. Amen. This week. Tonight, the other night, this week. That many people, I don't know, I'm saying this just by unction, uh, by the leading of the Lord. I don't want to say it can't be everybody. You be one of those everybody meetings? Remember when Jesus ministered, sometimes everybody got healed? That's been my goal my whole life. Well, since I've been knowing about these things. I want to have meetings where everybody gets healed. Everybody gets a word. Everybody gets changed. No stragglers. So even the people, you know, you know you, the ones that someone made you come? You too. Now, I don't know who you are, but there's always those, you know. You're checking it out. Uh, but God will work in your life. And if you open your heart, mm, good things. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, what should we do next? <laughs> We're just yielding to the Lord, and uh, many of you have your Bibles and stuff out, so we might, I guess we might as well use them. Um, uh, I, wanna, I think we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 here in a little bit. So if you need somewhere to, to go, I know preaching, it's always more enjoyable to preach to people who have a Bible open. Looks like they're in it with you. Huh? <laughs> when you use your phone, and it's zero, you're okay if you do that, but I don't know if you're texting or Facebooking <laughs> or what you're doing. Checking on your ring at home. Someone's at the door. <laughs> Who's at the door? <laughs> All these things get in the way sometimes. Have you ever felt... Uh, inferior or insufficient or lacking in some, uh, in some way uh, to, to do what was necessary, something you needed to do, wanted to do, needed to be done, but maybe you lacked time or money or energy or something like that. And it's like, I have to do this. It's, I just don't know if I'm up for it. I don't know if I can pull it off. I don't know if I have the goods. I don't know if I have the, enough money to do it, but it was a you know, something you really wanted or knew you were supposed to do. If you've ever felt like that, I mean, I see some of you nodding your heads and some of you not, so I don't really know what you're thinking, but 
Uh, if you ever felt like that, I mean, I can certainly relate to you. Uh, and, and I think anyone who ever does uh, have that, uh, that feeling is a prime candidate for God to use. Because if ever we uh, are so confident in ourselves, of ourselves, I can do this, I can make this happen, I can pull this off, you wonder if it's even God. You know, you wonder if God was the source of it, the origin, he, if he told you to do it, or if it's just something, you know, you determine I can do this comfortably. Because whenever we're following God's plan, absolutely there are going to be times when we're stretched, when we're asked to do things that go beyond what we're comfortable with. Uh, amen. Has anyone ever had something you knew it was right and you were uncomfortable doing it? Yeah. Well, hallelujah. I mean, I think we're in the right place if we're doing that. You know, the Word of God is filled with examples of that very thing. People that God took who were insufficient, incapable, they weren't the, you know, voted most likely to succeed. And he used them and turned their lives around and used them and made them something special. And I don't know, one of the things that happens in that, those situations is God gets glorified because the person sits back and says, yeah, I never could have pulled this off. Absolutely never could have done this. this I mean, this was God, had to be, or this never, ne never would have happened. Uh, one of the people I think of when going down this road is a guy named Gideon. You ever heard of Gideon? Uh, Gideon was a um, scaredy cat, <laughs> and maybe he had good reason, but uh, in, in Israel, when the Midianites were besieging them, and he was hiding, uh, hiding food and so forth in the wine press, and the, the angel of the Lord shows up and says some things to him about him being the deliverer, and he's going to deliver Israel, and, and he can't believe that for a second. And immediately, he starts explaining why that's not, not the case why he's the wrong choice, okay? And I don't know about you, but is, again, has anyone ever felt like God made a oops? Yeah. Like, you don't mean that I'm gonna do this because I can think of 12 more people that are more qualified. That would be a better choice. But Gideon was one of those. And in fact, one of the things he said in Judges 16, he started responding and said, how can, this, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Weakest and least. What, what, what makes up the difference for weakest and least? And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And how many know, if you can add that, you know, if you can add, if you're playing a golf scramble and you can add the Lord to your foursome, <laughs> you're going to win, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter if your family's the weakest. And you, I mean, the weak people called Gideon weak, <laughs> right? And then the, then the Lord came and said, no, but I'm with you. And that changed everything. And so adding God and his ability, his wisdom, his, his insight, all that he can do and and does do to, to the mix, changes everything. Something I, I, I want you to think about tonight is, the, is, a, is something that's hard to wrap our minds around. We can accept the result, but uh, spiritual substance is not limited to, you know, earthly rules. 
okay? It is, um, it is not uh, ruled by the laws of physics. It is not limited to um, earthly things and human measurements. When we talk about spiritual substance, reality, power, truth, we talk about these things. There is such a potential there for a little to do a lot, to make a major difference. Think about, if you know these stories at all, but think about different examples left in the Bible, like when, when gravity is suspended, you know, like when the axe head floated, or when Jesus and Peter did a walk on the water, right? So what, what gravity didn't work? No. Well, it was in operation most places, but, but the power of God superseded that. It wasn't limited to the, the rules of the planet, okay? You think about the times where God turned something little into something big, like when he multiplied the, the oil of the widow woman who was told to go fill all the pots with oil, and it kept flowing as long as she had another jar to fill up, and she was able, God just made more oil, Yeah? He didn't follow the normal oil rules. (laughs) Oil kept flowing. Yeah? And there was that other woman who who had the the meal and the oil to make food. Multiple times the Lord likes to multiply food. Doesn't go by the rules. Doesn't doesn't limit himself to what earthly standards are. And, 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 you know, we can think of other things. Remember Philip one day... uh, he ministered to the eunuch in the chariot. I think it's Acts chapter eight. And he's there sharing the gospel with him. And he's done. He baptizes him in there in the water. And just like that, he's in another city. So the laws of space or whatever, uh, you know, the rules of transportation. Uh, God is not limited to those. One day Jesus got into the boat in the middle of the lake. Soon as he got in, the boat was at the other side. I mean, that's cool. Yeah? Do you like speed? <laughs> but this is, uh, this is the way that God is. It, not the way he was, the way he still is. The re- the, one of the reasons these things are written for us is because God was wanting some of us to look at those and go, wait a minute. This is what's possible. This is the limitation on my life, not how much money I have or how far my car can go on a tank of gas or charge, <laughs> or <laughs> for you Californians. <laughs> we have them here too, yeah. <laughs> uh, not how far, no, not how much, and if, it, if it takes it, not how much food I can get at the grocery store. I'm just saying God is not limited. Those things that he has done, they're there for a reason. They're supposed to make our minds go boom, because it is so common and so easy for us to put on God our small thinking. And that's the thing about, I don't want to turn this into natural, into earthly. When I say this, a walk with God, a relationship with God, faith in the Lord, prayer, and all, church. Church should be a spiritual event, meaning we are tapping into spiritual power. And things happen that we can't explain naturally, but they absolutely happen. 100% they took place. That 
God put those in there so that we would do that to him. So that we would put a draw on things and take this, take this life and take ministry and take uh, all that we do beyond human expectation. Amen. I mean, people have mental arguments all day long about spiritual things, about the Bible and about God and about eternity. I like to go past mental. Because how many know God is not a mind? And we're not supposed to relate to him that way. Have, have you ever, I'm getting ahead of myself, but have you ever uh, tried to have a mental relationship with God? <laughs> Maybe that doesn't make sense. Have you ever tried to hear God's voice really hard? <laughs> right? <laughs> and the more you did it, the further you got away from it. The more you tried, the more confused you were. It's kind of like sometimes when people, we talk about people being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. And one of the great hindrances to someone yielding to the Holy Spirit and speaking in an unknown tongue is their brain. Yeah, their head, their mind. It's like, I don't understand. What am I going to say? And and. Anyone who's ever helped someone else or helped yourself in that regard, you want to say, stop it. Shut her down. Stop thinking. Just rest for a moment. Yeah? I remember one guy I prayed with that way uh, years ago, and, and he, I could see he was so nervous, so nervous. I said, well, we're about to pray. What's going to happen? He said, well, you know, I think this is going to... And, and he was just really nervous. I said, you know, we're not going to pray yet. <laughs> I said, this is really not hard. And, and I just want to, let's just take a little bit of time. And I just gave him some scriptures to read. And it wasn't in a service, you understand. And, uh, and I said, just, just chill and relax. And I'll come back. And it was really, I don't know, 10, probably 10 minutes later, something like that. It wasn't a long time. Uh, and he's just reading the scriptures I gave him, just trying to relax. And I can see he's still a little bit nervous. And, you know, God was bigger than his nerves. And, uh, but I said to him again, I said, well, we're going to pray this time. What's going to happen? He said, well, I'm just, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit and I'm going to speak in tongues. Now I could tell he was still, you know, a little bit nerves there, but he was be much better positioned. I said, okay, well, that's good. Then let's pray. I, we prayed together and kaboom. I mean, he got hit and just loud and bold. He just got past enough. He got past the mental. How many know when you get past treating God like a brain? or like a, you know, a hard drive, or just an information center, and he's a person, and he loves us, and we rest, and we trust, there he is. I, I don't know how many times it's been that way for me. I'm trying, 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 then I catch myself. What are you doing? Stop being so mental. It's so fleshy. And I just stop and go, thank you, Lord. I, I mean, maybe you've done this before. I'm, pray, I'm praying, praying, praying in the Spirit, walking the room, praying in the Spirit, really needing to, to get direction. Got services coming. I don't know what to do. And seeking the Lord, not getting anything. Then I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's actually a good thing. Because you stop, you change position, you just forget about everything. You walk, you go to the bathroom and hear from God. <laughs> It's like all of a sudden, well, there you are. What are you doing in here? 
Well, he was everywhere. I finally breathed. I finally got quiet. I finally rested and... Did you find 1 Corinthians 2? Some of you see where I'm going with this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. It reads, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural man doesn't make this connection. So I realize we're in two worlds at once. We're in a physical world and a spiritual world, right? But even coming to church, we're coming physically. You know, there's a lot of physical components to this. But don't just come physically. Don't just worship the Lord physically. It's not all about your voice. It's about your heart. It's about your faith in God. We, we, we're, we're endeavoring to make a, a spiritual connection and, and we get in trouble when we just get all mental. Think about it like this. If, uh, let, me, let me illustrate it with giving. Um, many times people, when they find out about God's plan of tithes and offerings and all this and giving and receiving, they look at that, that act, which is supposed to be a spiritual act. It has a physical, you know, method but it's a spiritual act, but they don't look at it spiritually. They just look at it on the calculator. In other words, I will give when, if God is not real, I will not suffer. Think about that. In other words, if I can figure out a way to do this because I want to be, you know, a, a good Christian, I want to be generous. If I can figure out a way to do this, and if God doesn't do anything, I'm going to be okay. Think about that. What are we doing? We might get it. We might get to the place because that's just called discipline. It's called budgeting. We might be able to do that. And you can get to a place where you give and don't need God. Your giving might look like everybody else's, but others are trusting God to bring a spiritual result, which is a multiplication and, a, and, and provision in our lives, where you are doing it, you figured out how to do it without God. He doesn't even have to be there for you to be a tither. Come on. See the difference between a natural mind and a spiritual mind? The spiritual mind says, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, even if it, might, it looks like it's going to set me back or if the math doesn't work out perfectly, I'm going to, watch, I, I'm going to pretend that God is on the throne. I'm going to pretend that his, he's real, his promises are true, and that he will do something with my finances when I honor him. That's called faith. Now there's an intersection between our lives and reality, spiritual reality. I'm saying, I don't want to do this if that's not the case. I don't want to worship if I don't have an encounter with God. I don't want to pray if no one's listening and responding. Do you? I don't want to do church if it's just natural, if it's just an organization or a business. I want, and everybody wants this, our hearts yearn and long for an experience, an encounter, and a relationship with Almighty God. Anything short of that leaves us empty, leaves us 
feeling like something's missing. We've done that, I say we now, the church world. I don't think I'm doing this, don't want to. In the church world, we've done this with, with church services to where we can do our life and we, we make church so conformable to our lives that nothing, hardly anything or nothing has to change in our lives and we can add church to it. Because it's at a convenient time, it's not long, it's never long, never anything extra besides, you know, that hour on Sunday. And, and I can do my life the way I want to do my life and feel good about being a good Christian. And I just think we're doing the same thing as that person who's just tithing without God. We're doing church without God. We're not going to do anything that's going to require God to intervene for us. Okay. Uh, prayer. Personal, personal prayer. Um, every, every believer knows that we should have a prayer life. We're supposed to talk to the Lord. And we, most of us kind of know it's probably a good idea to do that every day. And it's not a bad idea to do it in the morning as a good start to the day. Okay, what are we going to do? I've got this much time, and I think I could carve out a space to do that, and it won't disrupt all the things I have to do. In other words, I can add God without God. I can do God stuff without God intervening. He doesn't have to uh, bless my time, multiply my efforts. He doesn't have to give me wisdom beyond human understanding. He doesn't have to open doors to give me opportunity. I can add him and everything else I've got figured out already. So my prayer, it really doesn't have to work. And I can still do it and I feel good about it. Well, at least I pray. I don't want to do prayer that doesn't have to work. I think there's got to be something in us that says at some point, I want to be required to step out of the boat like Peter and to where if God doesn't show up, I'm going to know it. <laughs> but I'm not going to sit in the boat forever and, and never even know because I'm always just playing it safe. I'm doing what I can do, what I can figure out, what I can schedule. It fits in my world. It fits in the laws of physics. It fits in the laws of finances and time and space. And everything is stuff I can control and I know how to do it. And I'll do God in that realm and never see the axe head float and never see a multiplication of, of food and provision and, and never go from one place to another with the power of God or even come close to any of that stuff. Never see a miraculous, uh, you know, uh, in-haul of fish. You know, biblical examples of, of fish that come into the boat that goes beyond our imagination. No, none of that. Because I've saved up. I don't need that. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. I think the Lord is helping us here. I know he's helping me to say this because I'm listening. There's a, there's, a, there's a comfort area I think he wants us to get out of. I'm not saying willy-nilly do stuff and just jump out of the boat and I'm going to go walk on water without any kind of direction from the Lord. I'm not talking about that. 
But can we even hear direction from the Lord if we're so closed off to his, his glorious, mighty power? If we're so, so accustomed to doing things in ways where we can control the outcome, then our, can we even hear God's voice to give like we wouldn't normally, to pray like we normally wouldn't, to, to minister to someone else, to help someone else? Hallelujah. I don't want to obey in, in such a way that there's no need for God. He's got to, I want to do things that, that if he doesn't show up, we're in trouble. I mean, I can tell you, thankfully, like in, in our church, like when we, got, when we came to this building, I had some people, not many, maybe they're quiet and I don't know, but most people were supportive, but we were way over our heads. <laughs> meaning the, meaning the, the, the numbers in the book versus uh, the, what it costs to purchase, to renovate, all the things. It was just a big step, but it needed to happen. And I believed it was right. And I took a step. I, have, I had friends. I mean, not, to, not just talking people who were like mean and against me. One good friend, he asked me if I was crazy. <laughs> he was a pastor. <laughs> he said, are you crazy? Uh, well, that's debatable. But, <laughs> but I believe we're doing the right thing. And now we're on the other side of this, and we have no debt and anything like that. And, and God has provided and come through. And, and, and what? Yeah. Praise God. And it's easy, it's easy to shout looking back. It takes faith to shout on the other side of it, saying, ah, oh God, <laughs> what in the world? But you gotta have those kind of experiences. You know, not that exact one, but something. You gotta have something in your life where you're stepping out, you're doing what you couldn't do on your own. The potential, I, I'm thinking about, again, the spiritual potency of spiritual things, of the, 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 the potential of spiritual matters. Maybe you've heard this said before, one word from God will change your life forever. I believe that. If you can hear from God and genuinely have, have a word from God, woo! I mean, I, have, I can tell you times when I have heard from God and that word has lasted for many years. There, there are many things that, that we do as a church now. I only heard from God once on it. You know, uh, well, I mean, I could go all the way back, call to ministry, call to start the church, all those kind of things. You can see they're long lasting. But even when the Lord dealt with me to have a healing service once a month. Well, that was quite, a, I don't know, 13, 14, 15 years ago, something like that. Just told me once, it's guided us for 15 years, whatever the, wherever the time is. Amen. I don't even have to pray about it. I can pray about other things. He already told me what to do there. Yeah. Now, he can tell me to do something different, but if he doesn't, I just keep doing that. Yeah. Well, one of the problems we do is we start doing something new without the Lord saying what, is the Lord still even remember that? How many know, uh, back to spiritual stuff, 
with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. So time is not the same. We think the Lord said that like 10 years ago. Think he still, he still means it? 10, 10 years ago? That's like a second ago, right? You know, or whatever the math would be on that. It's just, it doesn't grow, grow old with him. The promises that were written thousands of years ago heal people's bodies today. They set people free. How old is that word? It's old, you know, in our time, time frame. Old and it still works. Yeah? Thank you, Lord. One touch from God will do what a thousand human touches won't do. One experience with the Lord will wreck you for what any, whatever satisfaction you derive from human experiences. It just won't compare. There's a spiritual substance that is so much greater. That's why it, whatever effort it takes to tap into this, to hear that word, to get, receive that touch, to get that direction, to have that connection with God, whatever effort, and I'm not just talking human effort, but whatever effort it takes, it's worth it. Because you get that, boop, and now you're good for 20 years. I don't mean you don't have an ongoing relationship with God, but I mean there are things of God that just last. I was thinking about this, and I remembered this old phrase, the little dabble, do you? And I thought, what is that even from? So I looked it up, and it was from this, uh, this in the 50s, it was an advertising slogan for something called Brile, Brill Cream. Brill Cream. Brill Cream. Yeah. And I thought, well, that was before I was born, but the saying sure stuck around for a while. Little dabble, do you? And all you need is a little bit, and your hair looks really good. Like that guy. <laughs> but I thought, there's some truth to that when it comes to spiritual things. All right? And it made me think of this salsa that it's not salsa, it's like a hot sauce that someone gave me like 25 years ago and it's still good. <laughs> and it's called Da Bomb. It's in a little jar like this. And a friend of mine in California, gave, he had to sign a waiver when he bought it. And he gave it to me. And I haven't used it actually in years, but it's just kind of a toy because you can't put it on food. It's just, it will make you dead. <laughs> And, uh, but what we do is just get a toothpick, just for fun. Toothpick and just dab a little bit in there and put it on your tongue and you go, oh, it just lights you up. It's awesome. <laughs> it's great for, for, with friends, <laughs> for parties and, yeah. <laughs> but just does that small touch and boom, it, like a bomb inside of you, it's so hot. And I think to some, in some degree, that's kind of like, a touch from God. Just a little touch from God and changes your world. Changes everything. Now, I don't mean it's our goal to get as little as possible from God. I want as much as I can of the Lord. But what I'm saying is a small amount of spiritual power goes a very long way in our lives. And uh, again, how many times will people spend years wrestling with various problems, say health problems or years in confusion, really not knowing their purpose and living this way and asking so many people and seeking so many solutions to their issues instead of 
seeking with all their heart a touch from God. Because it is so potent, it is so powerful that it dismantles everything else. I like to see people really impacted by the power of God. I like it for me too. I remember that time when, when uh, Jesus told the guys to throw the net on the other side and they took the draw in and Pete, uh, fish and all the other boats had to help and Peter came up to the Lord, to the Lord and he hit the dirt, said, I'm a sinful man. He said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. I like it. Why do I like it? I just think that, just, that dude, Peter, just came in touch with Jesus and it broke him. Yeah. Broke his pride and yeah. unbelief and sinfulness and he just, <laughs> I like that. Because yes. I want anything of me, <laughs> that's not of him. And a touch from God is what, what does that. Some of you have testimonies because you used to be that person, hard, rebellious, resistant of the things of God. Something changed. And those people you're praying for, by the way, God can get to them too. The, the body of Christ in, on earth and in heaven has a lot of people that were one time, at one point so resistant of God. Mean, just hard-hearted, and they changed. I know this one uh, lady who, her, her, uh, she was a believer, still is a believer. Her, her dad was an, was an atheist, an, out, you know, an outspoken atheist, meaning on the offense, atheist, attacking believers, and you know, they're, they're idiots and all this kind of stuff. And would, he was known, in other words, it's not a private atheism. <laughs> it was very public. And then at one point he died and it was real sad that I found out later, he wrote her a letter. And before he died, he got saved. And you think people who are that, you know, aggressive, they'll never change. Yeah, a lot of them do. The power of God is that real. Hallelujah. As a pastor, one of the things I need the most is for people in my church to hear from God. As a matter of fact, it comes through my voice, through my mouth, or through someone else, or direct download from heaven, God speaking to you. He does all those things. But if people will hear from God for themselves, if they will have an experience, a touch from God personally, then we can do something. We can make a difference. And Problems go away. It's so important. Let me have you turn uh, uh, to uh, John chapter 6. I'm not going to preach all night, I don't think. I mean, I have lots of preparation, but I kept, well, twice I got on the inside that (laughs) I believe the Lord was telling me I'm going to say a whole lot that I didn't plan. And that's what's happened so far. And that's all I want. I don't care, I don't care about my, my plan. Um, but I need people to hear from God. I seek to create an environment. Did I tell you to turn somewhere? John 6. Okay, I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> I want to create an environment where it's easy to do that. And I think this week is one of those. 
okay? I know we have, we have we're all, most of us are in church a lot, uh, but there's something about being compact and doing something day after day after day for a little while. You can make progress that you don't make in a normal schedule. Because one thing is you're setting things aside. What I normally do, the shows I watch, the, the, you know, the hobbies I do, I've set that all aside to seek God. It's a form of a fast in one way. I've set aside the natural things. I'm seeking the spiritual things. When we do that, we find that God has some things he wants to talk to us about and wants to give us and help us with. And I just think amazing things can happen. And, and, and it's one of the reasons we're doing, doing a meeting like this. But I continually seek to have services that I can't produce. I don't want to be able to, to work hard enough and study enough and, and so I can put on a good service. Because if the end result is what I produced, no one's life is really going to be changed. Even if I orated really nice. <laughs> really well. <laughs> Even if I did really good talking. <laughs> Had excellent vocabulistics, you know. Even if I did it real well, it was real professional and real sharp. And by the way, we want professionalism and sharpness and all that kind of stuff. But if that's all we got, we're, not, we're missing the touch, the word from God. We're missing that encounter that makes all the difference in the world. Okay, I'm fitting God into my calendar and into my budget and into my schedule. Into, I'm fitting him in. No, no, no. He's got to get in the middle of it and blow it up. And so I come out of it and say, that was God. There's no one else I can give that to. That was the Lord. He's the one who gets the credit. Amen. Amen. <laughs> again, sometimes you get words from God and they last a long time. You don't need to hear again. The Lord dealt with me, and some of you know this, but I'll say it again. He dealt with me. He said, we're going to have, we're going to build a building with 2,000 seats. He told me that quite a few years ago now. <laughs> we haven't done that one yet. But I guess I don't really need to hear him tell me that again. That's right. Why? I already got the word. But think about it. Think about it. It has guided me for all these years. Meaning I know that's what's going to happen. I don't know everything that's going to happen, but I know that will. And so one word sustained for all this time. What thing might the Lord point out to you about your future? Well, I don't know what it is, but you only need one. And a lot of times it can last you a long time. They're sustaining words. Praise God. John chapter 6. And notice in, in verse 5, this is a multiplication of the loaves and fish. You know that story? Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. I think that's really funny. That Jesus would do that. Think about it. He totally knows what's coming. He's already got a word of wisdom. <laughs> he has seen the future. He knows what's about to happen. So he messes with Peter. Or, was it Peter? Philip, sorry. He messes with Philip about it. He said, I know what's going to happen. Let's see, how, let's see what his thoughts are. Watch. Let's see how, if he's thinking naturally or spiritually. Let's see if he's going to come up with just a human, earthly answer, or if he's going to be able to stretch beyond that. 
And he failed, but at least he knew. <laughs> but Jesus knew what he was going to do, and so he, he messed with them. Where are we going to get the food? And uh, he said this to test him. In verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, uh, Simon Peter's brother, said to, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Again, I, I don't know how many of us would do better than these guys, but they are, they're doing the math. They might want to think, does Jesus know something? I mean, just go back and look at all the things that have happened. Does he know something? And, uh, but again, this is natural thinking. And remember from 1 Corinthians, the natural man, natural thinking cannot receive the things of God. That's why we've got to analyze our own thinking. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And am I tying that to what I can figure out, to earthly provision? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, by the way, that's faith. Faith in action. There's no multiplication yet. We still got just a little tiny bit of food. Jesus said, make them sit down. Why would you do that? Why don't we multiply and see what happens, and then we'll get to that. Faith acts first. Faith prepares for the fulfillment. Jesus obviously had a word from the Father, that this is what you're going to do. This is what's going to happen. So he was acting as if it was going to happen. Should we do that? Should we ever do things before the provision is there? Before the multiplication happens, yeah. And now, now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So, so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves uh, uh, which were left over by those who had eaten. How many know the Lord believes in leftovers? <laughs> yes. I'm looking at my daughter. She needs to know that leftovers are biblical. That would be Wendy. <laughs> but the Lord gave an abundant supply and, and uh, amen. I think this is the character of God. This is another one of those situations where spiritual impacted the natural, intersected the natural, and, and something happens. And, and I think the point here, for us at least for now, is, is this is one of the ways God works. He takes what is small, and uses it to do much. This is where many of us, just like Philip did, just like the other guys did, they disqualify. They want to say, I have this, but this is insufficient. This doesn't, isn't going to make a dent in anything. It's not going to matter. Uh, you guys, have you ever thought this? Some of you pastors and stuff, I this bugs me sometime. I think... Even if we grow the church to 10,000 people, you look at the planet, it's just nothing. It's nothing. 
There's so many people. How are we even going to make a dent? We have to be in faith that God will take whatever we're supposed to do. And if that's just a couple fish and loaves, then that's what we bring. And we say, Lord, make it go. But it's, it's the error we make is when we so look at our deficiency and inadequacy and say, it's not enough, so I'm going to do nothing. I can't make a difference. I can't make a big enough difference. So instead of doing something, I'm going to do nothing. What Jesus did is he took that and what they had just a very small amount. Remember, see what, did you notice what he did? He took that and he gave thanks for it. What we sometimes do, we see what we have, or I could say it this way, what we don't have, what we can't do, how we're insufficient. And instead of giving thanks, we ill esteem and we uh, you know, are, are uh, critical of ourselves. And we complain about our lack and our insufficiency. We think down about us. That's the opposite of what Jesus did. He knew the potency of spiritual power. So you take the natural thing that you have, the natural time. I don't have much time. Do you have some? I don't have much money. Do you have some? I don't have much talent. Do you have some? So I can look in the mirror all day long and say, you're not enough, you're insufficient, you can't make a difference, it's not gonna be any good. Or I can say, Lord, I do have this. Thank you for it. Thank you. You didn't have to give me anything. I could be at zero, but I'm at one. Thank you for my one. Hallelujah. And Lord, I offer you my one. Do with it as you can. And the power of God hits the one. And just like that, kaboom, it multiplies. You guys, we have to do that. We have to, otherwise we're wasting time. We're wasting our lives. I don't want to just live a natural life. I don't want to be like Joe Blow down the street who doesn't know the Lord yet. My life has got to be different. It's got to be evident. There's got to be testimonies in my life where God came through. He provided. He returned things that were lost. He healed what was broken. He restored me to another, a higher place. He took my, you know, whatever situation you might describe yourself in. Maybe uh, you were a C student or worse. <laughs> Remember our friend Diego last year? He was, he was preaching about his grade point average in high school. He was really low. And, 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 he, and, and, and how could God use that? And, and look what the Lord has done through his life. He's just an outstanding preacher. Ministers to many people. I'm just saying whatever it is. It could be that or it could be so many things. We can giddy in the thing and hide and say it can't be. Or we can say... What do you have for me to do, Lord? What word would you give me? Because if you tell me anything, I'm acting on that. You give me one word, I'm taking that to heart and I'm going to do it. You tell me to give what I have or to use what I have for your kingdom, thank you. And with a sincere heart of gratitude for your little. And even if you say, well, I have a lot. Well, a lot compared to who? <laughs> you know. I mean, sometimes things that we think a lot. Someone said, I have $50 million. Is that enough? Well, it's enough for some things, but not for a lot of things. 
I'm just saying whatever it is, whatever we are, compare that to the magnitude of God and his kingdom, what needs to be done. Whatever you have, say, thank you, Lord. However you want to, I offer this talent, this life to you. And when he, it, he get that little drop of that toothpick, the bomb hits your stuff. It hits your, tooth, hits your little fishies and your bread. I think we should see this story uh, of the multiplication of fish and loaves and not say, wow, that's so cool what the Lord did. I think we should say, wow, I see how he works. I see one of his methods now that he can take something small and if I will thank him for it and offer it to him, he'll make it explode. I think that's a better message than to just sit back and say, Jesus healed the sick, he opened the blind eyes, he made the dead to rise, yay, Jesus. Again, that's part of it. We do thank him and worship him and honor and adore him and impressed by him, but go further than that. I see what you do through people. I see how you work. I see the way you are. And it's not the way he was. It's the way he is. So watch. If the Lord deals with you to do anything, go to Bible school. I don't have time for that. That's my schedule. If, if the Lord deals with you, the bomb. See, every step of obedience I take to do what God wants me to do I'm intersecting that potential of the small going boom. That's right. If he deals with me to, you know, serve, to give, to whatever it is, uh, to sell, to buy, to whatever, he deals with me. That's when I intersect his power and not until then. I have to step out of the boat before gravity loses its pull on me. Hallelujah. You might remember the, you know, Jesus, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. And he talked about the mustard seed. Yeah. If you had faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to the mulberry tree, be cast into the sea and it'll obey you. And uh, a lot of emphasis is put on little because mustard seed's small. But really, Jesus didn't ever praise little faith. He never said, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Your faith is so small. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> really, he would do the opposite. He would, he would get on his disciples for little faith. He would praise those who had great faith. Yeah. So I don't think the mustard seed, I think the, the, the size is a portion of the message, but a greater, a greater emphasis of the message there is to do something with something little. If you'll, if you'll say with, the, with your mustard seed faith, if you'll use that, put that seed in the ground and let it grow. Use that seed. Then it doesn't matter that it's small because small turns into big. And I think that's the point. And you know what? I think we all qualify now. I think that from the greatest to the least, from the oldest to the youngest, from the experience to the brand new Christian to the, someone who's been saved for many you know, decades, we all qualify. Because we all have at least a little. And all we need is God to touch it. The hand of the Lord to be on it. And then it goes, it goes wild. Hallelujah. And just like that, people believe that their cancer is not too powerful. And just like that, that people believe that condition they were born with is not inevitable that it stays with them all their, all their days. Because what are you talking about? 
you just need a little toothpick. I mean, if the, the, if the bomb will set me off, that's not, that's even not even close to the power of God. Just a little boop. It's like when Jesus said that, that uh, I cast out spirits by the finger of God, right? Demons, big, ugly, hairy demons are scary. And, 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 and the Lord says, boop. That really is a proper perspective of, of problems we face in this world. The reason they have such a grip on people is we see them as big and God's power as small. But the overwhelming evidence in the scriptures, old and new covenants, is we see God taking small and, and, and insufficient things and making great waves, doing incredible you know, miracles with them. Praise God. So say, well, I only know one scripture. Why don't you use it? Sometimes people think, well, as soon as I, I just need to learn more. I'm finding out there's a lot I need to learn. I, I can relate to that. There's a lot we all need to learn. But do you know anything? I remember, and I remember going on a, a missions trip years ago when I was doing youth ministry, and I would take youth on foreign missions. And one year there was this one young girl who had just gotten saved, and I was like hesitant to take her along because immaturity and so forth. And I thought, I don't know. Finally, I decided, yes, I'll, I let her come. Went on this trip. So all of us are going on the airplane. Uh, and uh, she, the brand new, you know, I don't remember how many weeks, but brand new believer had a recent encounter with God that was very real. She's getting everyone saved on the plane on the way to the mission field. The, re the rest of us are not. We're just, you know, <laughs> we're heading to do ministry. But this person who knows very little, hardly anything, she probably said it wrong. She, her prayer was probably goofed up. She probably used the wrong scriptures. She probably had the Father on the cross and the Holy Spirit raising come the dead. She probably messed it all up. But with her sincere heart, she had an encounter with God and she's talking with other people and doing more than all of us who, have, who could quote scriptures all day long. I'm thinking, yeah, we might be getting this wrong. And then some of us sit back and think, if I just learn a little bit more, I just need to listen to some more teachings. Just need to read some more books on this. Maybe after, I, if I go to Bible school, then I'll be able to be used of God. How about if you get saved today, you could be used like five minutes later? Well, I don't really know anything. Yes, you do. You know Jesus loves you. <laughs> or he died for your sins or something that's extremely true and powerful. And that's what God can use. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's have the team come up, the worship team. Praise God. Why don't you stand with me?